Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What's up, everybody? Uh, a pretty fun way to get to where we are this uh, early morning. It is 1.16 a.m. At Monday, on Monday, January 10th. And at long last, we have the Bills' first-round opponent after they easily did away with the New York Jets by a score of 27-10. to 10. They won the AFC East. Well, they didn't even need that win to win the AFC East, as it turns out, because the Patriots went down to Miami and lost their game. And now, because of that loss, the Bills win, the Bengals loss after they rested their starters, and the Raiders' outright refusal to take a tie, (laughs) the Bills will now be taking on the New England Patriots on Saturday night at 8.15 p.m., round three of Bills-Patriots, one of the most hotly contested uh, division games, division uh, two matchups we've seen all season. And it is going to be a real humdinger. Welcome in, everybody, to the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscalia. With me, as always, is uh, my post-game co-host, Matt Beauvais. Uh, he is the sports director at Channel 7 WKBW in Buffalo. And YB, I call him Young Bovey for everyone that doesn't know. YB, this seemed like it was written in the stars a long time ago. Bills, Patriots, round three. It is, uh, it's going to be a doozy. I loved your usage of humdinger. I thought it was perfect when explaining this matchup. I totally agree. And you know what? I was thinking about this as I was driving back home from the stadium tonight. And, you know, we're both from Western New York. We've seen these two teams play twice a year, every year, but we've never got to see them play in the playoffs. And obviously the Bills went a long time without getting to the playoffs. But it has felt like here in Buffalo, the Patriots have been the hated big brother for so long. But I never really think on the Patriots' side this was a rivalry. Like, I think if you ask Bills fans who is your least favorite team, pretty much all of them would say the Patriots. And I feel like it doesn't go both ways. And now we're going to finally get some juice into this rivalry. And it seems like it's trending that way, and I kind of love it. We'll talk about the matchup more, but just from a rivalry standpoint, this is pretty fun now because this adds an element that we've never seen before. This is a legit rivalry now. This isn't one team that dominates another team and that, you know, is just looking back at those one wins in 2003 or in 2011 or whatever it is. Like now it's a legit rivalry, it's a playoff matchup. And 
these two teams, you know, they play with some juice when they go against each other. The fan bases are starting to really not like each other, and this is fun. Like, this is what you want. This feels like, I wasn't around for the Super Bowl years, but it feels like this is kind of what it was like with the Dolphins back in the day. The Bills haven't had, like, a legit division rival in a long time because they haven't been good enough to have one, and now they do. So this will be a fun one, Joe. Yeah, it's it's big time. Um, And I also find it very poetic that for the Bills to do the thing that their franchise has never done before, which is win a Super Bowl, they will have to beat their, as you put, their older brother, their the AFC East overlords for decades <laughs> on, on end. And then after that, they will very likely have to go back to the very place that they lost the AFC championship game last year in Kansas City and beat them. And that's not even to go to the Super Bowl. So the no matter how this thing ends, if the Bills make it to the AFC championship game, they're going to have a really darn good look at getting to the Super Bowl because at that point, the Patriots and the Chiefs will be out of the picture. So, Can I say something real quick? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, do, I, I don't want to interject, but to, to your point, the Bills have a chance to exercise almost all of their worst demons if this plays out the way they are hoping it plays out with the Patriots, the Chiefs, and maybe the Titans. Mm-hmm. I think if you ask Bills fans what three teams they want to beat the most, it would be those three. It is not an easy road to get there. And then to play but Brady my, in the Super Bowl? Oh my good! Could you imagine a more poetic way to finally just yeah. figure this out? Yeah, it would be amazing. Yeah, sorry. No, no, I I'm with you. Um, I, it's interesting because I think the Bills lost the wild card derby here, uh, of in the AFC. You know, the Steelers. Just how Stink. lucky can you get this week? Like for the for the Raiders to not take the tie. For the Colts to lose to the Jaguars and then to not tie yourself at the end of the Ravens game where both teams were just horrendous. Like the Steelers are in and the Chiefs, you know, not going to like the the Steelers still have a a, a good pass rushing team behind them. But this is like if the Chiefs don't win that that game, it's going to be an absolute complete and utter upset. So the Chiefs won their first round derby. The Bengals, by resting their starters and uh, by losing to the Browns, wind up getting maybe the best matchup of anybody uh, because at least the Steelers have a really good pass defense. But my word, the Raiders defensively are just horrible. And... The Bengals have been lighting up teams with their passing. Like this is one of the hugest mis- uh, mismatches. Like you know, yeah, I know you 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 read it, but over at theathletic.com, I did the advanced metrics as to who would be the best and worst opponents for the Bills. But in those studies, you could clearly see the Raiders horrible at pass defense. The Bengals are number one in passing EPA over their last four weeks. So this is a humongous mismatch. So I would be very surprised if the Bengals aren't uh, playing in the divisional round uh, with with how how much. And they won the lottery because they rested their starters. So now the Bills get the Patriots. And, you know, we're going to get deep into this matchup all week. 
I'm very excited because it means Matthew Fairburn's coming back onto the podcast uh, middle of the week, which will be extremely entertaining because, and it's, it's funny. Um, if you listen to those shows uh, with, with me and Fairburn, Fairburn, you know, as a, uh, as someone who can read the future says, it feels like that this story doesn't end at two games. Even before the Bills beat the Patriots, he's like, it feels like this story doesn't end at two games. It feels like these these two teams' destinies are intertwined this season. And it was such a great call. Um, and so th- this is what we have. The Bills are taking on the Patriots. I don't really know that there's anything to take away from this Jets game other than that the Jets were missing basically two-thirds of their starting lineup and that Zach Wilson held onto the ball for 17 seconds per snap. Um so I think it's really just a matter of looking at this matchup and the Bills taking on a Patriots team where, at least for me, I think the way that the first two games kind of played out are two examples on way different sides of the spectrum. Like, for the Patriots to win against the Bills, the how they did it was not... Um, not something that they can duplicate. And I think very similarly, the way that the Bills beat the Patriots last time with Josh Allen being as incredible as he was, I don't think that is going to be, they're going to be able to duplicate that next time around. So what we're lining up for, at least in my mind, is some something closer to the middle. You know, is Mac Jones going to be as bad as he was in that first, in, in that second game? Probably not. Um, is Josh Allen going to be as good as he was in that first game? Probably not, because the playoffs are a whole different animal. So this is this is why this game, the way that I wrote uh, this potential matchup before we um, before we knew the Bills would be taking on the Patriots, the exact way I put it, despite a resounding Buffalo win in the last matchup, this game from an EPA perspective is a total toss-up. It's as likely that the Bills win as there is the distinct potential for the Patriots to make the Bills go one and done this postseason. And that, to me, means this thing is going to be a crazy night in Orchard Park. I think, to your point, and this is one of the reasons why, you know, I'm like in a group message with some people at work, and one of them is a big Patriots fan from New Hampshire. And we were just kind of chatting once the... It officially became Bills Patriots round three, and we were talking about, you know, does he like it from the Patriots side of view? And then the people who I work with who are Bills fans are like, do we like it? And the thing that I keep thinking about is Josh Allen played almost a perfect game, mm-hmm. and it still went down to the wire mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago at Gillette. And there are a lot of what-if plays all throughout the season. What if Josh doesn't slip in Tennessee? What if they don't get the blocks punt against the Steelers? What if J.C. Jackson intercepts that ball from Josh Allen at Gillette and all of a sudden the Patriots are winning that game late in the fourth quarter or at least poised to take the lead when they get that interception? So that's the thing that I keep coming back to. Like It felt like at the end of that game, the offense played about as good of a game as we have seen them do all year, and it still was close down to the wire. Mm-hmm. So that's what I—that's where I get my, you know, my hesitations about this matchup from the Bills' standpoint. Where I get my optimism from the Bills' standpoint is it's a rookie quarterback. 
going on the road in the playoffs, and you've talked about it, I've talked about it a lot of times in the past, Sean McDermott is very good against young quarterbacks, and that is something that they have. he has consistently shown during his entire tenure as a Bills coach. And then you look at the skill positions that they have, and, you know, I don't want to eat my own words, but if it was the Chargers, I know the Chargers' defense is bad. If it was the Raiders... Like, the skill players on those teams scare me more than Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry. Like, I think Damian Harris is very good, and I think Bolden is pretty good, too. And so is Stevenson. So I guess the running backs are pretty good. But from a wide receiver standpoint, you talked about it last week, how you think that, you know, in the playoffs, the Bills are going to have tougher matchups with Dane Jackson and Levi Wallace. Mm -hmm. And... They did a commendable job the last time because Mac Jones is not somebody who's proven that he can really extend the field up to this point in his career, and their wide receivers are not elite wide receivers. I mean, they're a couple plays away from having to go against Mike Williams and Keenan Allen next week, and I know that the Chargers defense is not even in the same realm as the Patriots defense, but I don't know. I'm with you. I know the EPA says it's a toss-up. I think the line, the betting line, minus four bills is... Pretty perfect. That's a pro Patriots line, by the way. Yeah, that's 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 Vegas wanting you to bet the Bills at home. Four points. The way that they went into New England and beat them the way that they did. The Patriots losing uh, their game to the Dolphins. The Patriots losing three of their last four. Like that has sucker written all over it. I don't know if it'll end up being true, but. That that's that's like saying, hey, bet the bills. You, you want to bet the bills. I feel like what I what I was telling my wife before all of these scenarios happened, and she was asking who the Bills should want to play in the playoffs. And I said, if you took the Patriots name away from the Patriots and just put the random rosters down on a piece of paper, the Bills would want to play the Patriots. But it is still the Patriots, and they still have Bill Belichick. And after what Josh Allen did to that defense a couple weeks ago, I have a hard time thinking that something similar happens again. So I think it's going to be a really close matchup. I think it's going to come down to the wire because both games already have. And uh, I would, I have, I'm absolutely not confident that the Bills will win, but I also absolutely think they can. And I know that is the biggest cop-out possible, but that's truly how I feel you know, at 1.30 a.m. as we're taping this. Well, look, I mean, you brought up a good point with, with Dane Jackson. Like To this point, he has not really been tested by anyone other than Tom Brady. And that is going to continue because the Patriots don't want Mac Jones to go out there and win this game for them. They don't want Mac Jones no. to go out there and win any game for them. They want their running game and their defense to go out there and and control the game in the way that the Patriots were able to do along their winning streak. So that, from a Bills perspective, is good for the overall matchup. Dane Jackson does not have to get tested. But I will say... When the Patriots were trying to make a game of it and Mac Jones was moving the ball down the field, the guy that he targeted um, when the Bills were going into man-to-man coverage a bunch to to get more pressure on Mac Jones to get him to make make more mistakes, he went after uh, he went after Dane Jackson. Uh, he uh, Kendrick Bourne got Jackson for, I think for like a twenty-yard gain. Jacoby Myers uh, turned him inside out. 
um, on another route. I think that one went for like 16 or 18 yards or something like that. So even though yeah. Jones didn't move the ball down the field in droves, like these are receivers that can still do some damage against Jackson if, if they need them to. But that's not going to be the biggest thing. So this is a good thing from a Bills perspective. If they move on, they'll they'll live to fight another day with um, Jackson um, probably having to go up against like the Chiefs <laughs> in, yeah. in, in the second round. But I think the, the way that the Bills are coming into this game and how they defended the run, specifically against the sixth offensive lineman, the fullback, the, the tight end, the heavy formation, the way that they did that last time I think is transferable to this time around. And I know I've made this point to you probably off the podcast before, but... The Patriots, the way that they run the ball like that reminds me of finding the right formula for how the Bills ultimately decided to deal with Lamar Jackson and, and the Ravens' r- rushing attack. Like two completely different um, defensive approaches because the offensive pr- uh, approaches are much different. But you have a formula, you have a personnel package. And when you find that formula and personnel package, it's just about perfecting it and and continuing to be consistent as the game goes along. That said, the Patriots aren't going to go to it every single snap. And I still think the Patriots had a bunch of success running the ball uh, against the Bills in that second matchup, especially when they were trying to go out wide and, and they kind of caught the Bills napping and and forced them to be a little bit more physical than they wanted to, uh, even when they didn't, when the Bills didn't have their uh, big personnel packages out there. That, to me, is a slight sign of concern, just as not having Dane Jackson be a huge factor is a, is a slight sort of optimism for fans. So it's um, that, to me, is is going to be the biggest, the biggest question, because the the most consistent way to get the Patriots out of the game is to build an early lead. That's, I mean, look at what the Dolphins did today. They made Mac Jones be a factor and it didn't go well. And even, and it's not even as though the Dolphins are like this amazing defense. They, they have a good secondary and a pass rush is okay, but they were able to, to do some damage against the Patriots. And the Patriots still kind of made a game of it at the end. But the Dolphins, it was just too little too late. And that's kind of what the Bills need to do. They need to jump out to an early lead. And I know I'm rambling, but the other thing that I think Bills fans should be really optimistic about is that this time around, the Bills will have their full complement of receivers. They didn't last time. They didn't have yeah. they didn't have Gabriel Davis to to attack Jalen Mills, and I think that could wind up being an absolute X factor for this game because the Patriots like to go man to man against the Bills, it, and it, it didn't work for them last time around. So maybe they go heavier zone. Who knows? But if they go heavier zone, then that that plays into the hands of Cole Beasley because that's where he kind of shines and takes Isaiah McKenzie out of out of the the game plan a bit more. So I, I think the Bills having, you know, I don't think there's any way that Emmanuel Sanders is is missing this playoff game. So the Bills are likely to have their top five receivers 
if if I if I had to guess. And that is perhaps the biggest advantage that they have over this Patriots team. And it could tip the game in their favor, even though the Patriots have some have some good past offenders. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. If I remember correctly, I think before the last Patriots game, until Gabriel Davis went on the COVID list, you had said that he was the biggest X factor oh, yeah. for the Bills in 100%. that matchup, right? Hundred percent, because he would be going up against Jalen Mills, because J.C. Jackson would be up against um, up against Dicks. Stephon Diggs, and so yeah. that would that would leave Mills, who is like average to below average, against Davis. And if the Patriots are forced to go to man to man like they did in that second game, that is a huge advantage for for Davis because of how well he he can set up a defender like that. And Mills isn't like super physical or anything like that, so it would have been a big time advantage with all that attention paid over to Diggs. So um, yeah, that, this is they they should not mess around here. Um, they should be using Davis as much as they did today against the Patriots. You know, forget Emmanuel Sanders starting the first however many games that he did, 12, 13 games. Forget it. Like, this is this is where it gets serious, and you need your best players on the field. And Davis, even though he had a bunch of targets and not a bunch of catches today, still one of their best. And, you know, Josh Allen is still looking his way a ton. So yeah, 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 I think I think um, Davis needs to be a huge part of the game plan in this playoff game. Yeah, I think it was probably a little bit of a one-off, but Gabriel Davis had 14 targets today. 14 targets. He only had three catches, so that is certainly concerning. But I do not think that that means they need to, you know, change up the game plan or anything. I would like to see if they're playing a lot of man-to-man next week. You want Stefan Diggs? You want Gabriel Davis? You want Dawson Knox? And heck, I'd throw Isaiah McKenzie out there, and if they start playing zone, then swap in Cole Beasley, basically, and just keep it rolling. They're going to be ready for McKenzie this time around. I I know they will, but I think that I understand that, and I think that that's part of the reason that you need to utilize them knowing that Isaiah McKenzie is a threat. Basically, I don't want to say as a distraction, because Isaiah McKenzie can still do things, but they will absolutely know every time that he is on the field, and Mm -hmm. that should open up some things for the rest of the players. And of course, Stefan Diggs is going to draw a ton of attention. But one of the things that I did want to bring up just about this matchup in general is the way the Bills have been the way the Bills have been coached since the first time the Patriots beat the Bills earlier in the year. 
and we had the post-game press conference and the let's not give Bill Belichick too much credit. And, you know, that went everywhere and was on every radio station and in every newspaper and website in Boston. And it took off. But really since that, it feels like the Bills have gotten much more aggressive. Mm-hmm. And I need to see that continue with the playoffs on the line, with the Patriots on the other sideline. You know, that's an intimidating opponent. It's an intimidating franchise. And Sean McDermott cannot, you know, go back to what he was doing for the middle portion of the season. They went for it on fourth and goal to start the game against the Patriots a couple weeks ago. And they were rewarded with the Isaiah McKenzie touchdown. Then they went for it again on fourth and goal at the other end of the field, and they didn't get it. But you know what ended up happening? The Bills had really good field position and were able to go down and score again. They went for it on fourth and two when Josh Allen did the crazy cut thing that ultimately led to the first down. You know, they went for it on fourth and two where they found Stefan Diggs for like a 15-yard gain in that play. They were aggressive in that game. I think they were three of four on fourth down, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. And the one failed was fourth and goal. Like, be aggressive. You are now in the playoffs. You are not playing to survive. You are playing to win. And I don't think there is any way that they can change that. And I just need to see that from them. And I think they'll stay aggressive like they've been the last couple weeks. But... With the Patriots on the other sideline, you have to be aggressive. You have to take those risks, and you have to trust your best players. And usually when that means trusting Josh Allen, he steps up. Yeah, I don't think um, that facet of what we've seen from McDermott is going away anytime soon. Like They have been uh, so successful with it over the last few weeks that I don't – it feels like even though McDermott will never probably admit it, it feels like they had a legitimate change in philosophy in what they were doing. And they're like, okay, we need to stop trusting the gut (laughs) more than anything and start trusting the math a lot more and start trusting situations a lot more. And all of this stuff, like one of the, one of the worst examples of this um, where after all of last year, well, most of last year, where McDermott was usually going forward in fourth down situations, the decision to kick a field goal in Kansas City was the biggest white flag um, in the at the end of the first half in that game. Yeah. It was the biggest white flag, and it seems like that kind of carried over into this season. But the recent trend is that they're going for it a lot more, and they're saying, look, and I don't know, they, they did it again Tonight, I think it was on a fourth and four or fourth and three. I don't know how much it, how much uh, the way they were going, because it was super windy again tonight. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder how much that played into that decision. Even yeah. still, they were in a, a great scoring area on the field, and they they had everything working in their favor. And to, you know, why not try those things? Why not every single time? I mean, we saw Staley and the Chargers go for a fourth and one deep in their own territory tonight. Yeah. It didn't work. But that is the line of thinking. You give, and I don't think McDermott will ever do that, but that is the line of thinking where you can gain advantages. The more you do them throughout a season, the more successful you are probably going to be as a franchise. Didn't work out because the Chargers defense is horrific, but... I love the thought process behind it, and I've really 
like the thought process behind the last three weeks for McDermott. So I don't think that's going to be going away um, for the playoffs. And if it is, shame on them because they ha- they have been dynamic with those decisions lately. Riverboat Sean, am Riverboat I right? Sean. Riverboat Sean. Riverboat Sean. That's the thing. I think one of the other things that is a concern for me to an extent is, well, I guess you can take this positive and negative. And I know that there's a lot of waffling here, but I just feel like that's truly how I feel about this matchup. Matthew Judon didn't do anything in the last game that these he also two teams had, played. had COVID. That's true. He, he got, he, but that he was, was put on after. the COVID list, like a, a day. The next after. day, yeah, yeah, the next day. So he's going to be more effective in this game. He would have to be. He basically by just showing up, he's probably going to be more effective than he was in that game. That said, it feels like the Bills' offensive line since that game has really found something. Mm-hmm. I don't think have they given up a sack since that game. No, Josh Allen has definitely gotten out of some jams but they've been a lot uh-huh. better absolutely so it feels like now you know you had Deion Dawkins activated for that game but we didn't know if he was even going to play and then because of the injury to Ike Butker Dawkins comes in and really since that moment the line wait was that the game that Ike Butker yep. got hurt or did he yeah, get hurt the next game no it was that so game. he gets yep. so then who got hurt for Ryan Bates to go in uh, Ryan Bates was in there, and then they were dealing with Cody Ford on the COVID list, and also yes. John Feliciano on the COVID list. Okay, so basically, since the line has switched to Dawkins, Bates, Morse, Williams, Brown, that combination, they have been very good. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a you know, you can look at it both ways. Matthew Judon is going to be a bigger problem for the Bills than he was a couple weeks ago. But it also feel like feels like they're more equipped to handle that problem and whatever other pass rush comes their way because the line has played better. And of course, Josh Allen's a freak. He bails them out of a lot of those situations, whether it's him scrambling or extending plays. Sometimes it bites him in the ass, but more times than not, it doesn't. So with the way the offensive line is playing, I do think there are opportunities for this offense to go out and have success. But that said, that's exactly what they did the last time they played. And it was still a close game. I, this this is a weird one to me. Mm-hmm. You know, as I'm sitting there watching the game tonight with the Chargers and the Raiders, I'm wondering, like, man, the Chargers have a ton of really talented playmakers, but mm-hmm. this defense is atrocious. They are. It almost makes you wonder, like you said, the Bengals are the big winners, but the Patriots losing today ultimately hurt the Bills. It did. Um... More than More than anything. Like, it hurt the Bills more than it hurt the Patriots. Nah, I think think the Patriots probably would have wanted to play the Bengals more than the Bills. Um, You think so? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think think the Bills are the better team uh, over the Bengals. Um, But, you know, and I I understand the Bengals are super hot right now, but their their defense and their offensive line give me legitimate pause. Um, Like, if the Bills and Bengals were up against each other, I would pick the Bills. 10 times out of 10, I think. Um, but the Patriot and the Patriots, I think, would have been, you know, a strong bet to pull a first-round upset. I think the Bills, just like the the uh, the Patriots are the worst matchup for the Bills, I think the Bills are the worst matchup for the Patriots um, at this point. You know, Kansas City is certainly a really good team. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I think Kansas City and... and Buffalo are pretty similar 
in terms of tier where uh, the Patriots probably did not want to see either of those two teams. So losing today hurt them a lot, I think. Um, but it lines up like like all of this other drama that comes into it because now you have the uh, the luster of the third round of a, divi- a divisional series where the Bills can finally shake loose of the Patriots or if they don't uh, in a potential yeah. Super Bowl year, they'll never hear the end of it. And, can I ask you something real quick? Yeah, absolutely. So here's my question, and this is going to, like like I said earlier in the podcast, we're two people from Western New York. We've seen the Patriots bully the Bills for a long time. Do you feel like this team is at all intimidated by them, or do you think they don't even care? Like, Because this team has had success against the Patriots. Yeah. Like, Do you feel like the Patriots, the aura that is around the Patriots, impacts the Bills, this current Bills team at all? I think it impacted them um, in both in both of the first two showings this year, because the first one, like it, it seemed like the Bills wilted in a lot of different ways from their head coach right down to the end of their roster. Yeah. And then the second time around, they definitely picked it up. And you could you could see there was just a different feel about them that entire week. And, and certainly post-game, you can tell there was a definite uh-huh. feel about how badly they wanted to shove that win in everybody's faces like they were they came off that field screaming nuts at, at people. nuts and that was as good of a sign as any that hey you know what maybe the maybe this this patriots thing that we all talk about is very much felt inside that locker room and you know it could be just a matter of they won the last time, and there was a big hubbub made about about it, and that uh, the Bills have seeded the division, everything like that. Maybe they just wanted to, you know, take it back. But, you know, h- how can you play in Buffalo and not, you know, hear from people left and right <laughs> all over the city? How does that? How can you psychologically put that completely out of your brain? They are humans, like. They'll sit there and say publicly, like, hey, you know what? It's just another team. Just another team. But how about just by osmosis, seeing the way that the Patriots have dominated not just the AFC East, not just the Bills, but the entire NFL for years on end. Tens of, uh, 10, 15 years. And the guy that has been in charge of all of that is still on the other sideline. So there is an obvious factor there psychological factor there and no matter how much they want to admit it it's part of it any team that plays the Patriots that's part of the equation for as long as Bill Belichick is going to be there and uh, you know it's not to overstate it I think it's it's not like a humongous game tilting factor but to ignore it as a factor at all I think is short-sighted so yeah I, I think I think there was a little bit of something to those first two games I think two things. I think first, the AFC East, of course, is what the Bills strive for, and it's have they've as they've said multiple times: if you win the division, you get a home playoff game, and then you give yourself a chance to win the Super Bowl, which is ultimately our goal. The AFC East is not going to matter if they lose next week. Oh like no! If they lose, if they lose next week, nothing 
about the division. Any of that carries into next year. The Patriots will be the favorites to win the division. The Bills will once again be playing that catch-up role. None of it matters. So that's a really interesting thing that you know stacks up here. And the second thing is, you know how after the game we were standing there in the tunnel, the game in at Gillette, and we were listening to all the players scream? And I think Tim led his story with what Josh Allen was yelling. Do you remember that? Yeah, oh yeah. So I think her name is Taylor, but I want to give her credit on Twitter. She quoted, I, this tweet has just, I, this has lived in my head since I saw it. But the quote was, I don't know who the F they thought I was Harry, and that was Josh Allen yelling at Harrison Phillips as they were running into the tunnel. And she quoted, she put that quote and said, I'm going to tell my kids this was the plot to Harry Potter, and all I can do <laughs> is think about that tweet when it gets brought up. So when you brought them coming up the tunnel, I thought of that. I think her name is Taylor. She had that joke, but it was very, very good. But yeah, no, like, it's funny. They walk onto the They walk into the press conference today with their... Bills run the East shirts mm-hmm. for now, mm-hmm. for now, because mm-hmm. it's a really weird, bad look if you're doing that. And then, I mean, you know, I mean, you they, won the se- they won you, the division. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you deserve to celebrate. You won the division. Kudos to you. And, you know, there's a very good chance they win next week. Like, there's a reason they're the favorite to win next week. But if they lose, it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be a long offseason for Bills fans. What's funny is, as I sit here, the la- I'm very certain that I am the last person at Highmark Stadium right now. Um, I am looking at this monitor inside this, uh, this booth, and on it displayed, I'm sure proudly by them, AFC East Championship- Champions 2021, back-to-back. This graphic has been running on these monitors all yeah, since, in the press box since they won. Yes, so since seven thirty. Yeah, yep. they're they're proud of it, and as they should be. They they went eleven and six, and and you can't take any of that away from them because not only did they handle their business and went four in a row, including one over the New England Patriots, um, they also saw New England lose uh, games that they probably shouldn't have, and to fall a full game below where the Bills were. So the Bills absolutely deserve it for all that they went through. And so there's there's no way that, that I'm going to be like, well, they shouldn't have wore those T-shirts. No, they... Oh, they, no, they, yeah, I don't, no, don't want to make it sound I know, like I know that. that's not yeah. what you were saying. I know that's not what you were saying. But, like, that's... They deserve that moment. However, they cannot let that moment be the one that defines them. And I, I don't think this Bills team is built like that. You know, I thought what Deion Dawkins was talking about at the at his press conference was really interesting because it was really good. Yeah. He, he will actually speak on this stuff as opposed to a lot of the guys that, that go into those press conferences where you ask him a question, he's going to think about it and he's going, he's going to give you his honest, honest answer to a certain point, just like they all do. Um, And when he was kind of brought up with the topic of, all right, you got, he brought it up himself, how they went through this roller coaster, a lot of ups and downs, everything like that. And it was a lot different than, than what they went through last year. He basically said he feels like the team is better equipped for what they're going to see in the postseason because of what they went through this year. And I think there's a certain degree of truth to that because now they're not going to go in and just see the New York Jets, the Carolina Panthers, or the Atlanta Falcons coming up. They've got heavyweight after heavyweight after heavyweight 
and then another heavyweight at by the end of it if they get to the Super Bowl. So there is the the way that that I look at this is there are no asterisks if the Bills are able to do get the job done and make it all the way to the Super Bowl and if they even win if they win. Like this is as tough as a path as they could have wanted. And maybe that adversity that they've gone through this year, maybe losing to Jacksonville is is going to help them. Maybe losing to the Patriots and feeling I'll say it, that embarrassment after that game is something that has is going to stick with them. Maybe if they don't think of it top of mind, stick it with them enough to where that they don't want to let that feeling replicate. And I I think there's a lot to be said for what Deion Dawkins had to say. I agree. And I think as we look at this season as a whole and we talk about them winning the division and everything that you've said, to your point you just made, like now every game is against a tough opponent. Like, listen, the Bills kicked the shit out of the teams they were supposed to beat this year. I love it excuse when Bobby my, swears. I love excuse it. My, excuse my language, but that's exactly what they did. And, you know, a lot of those games that people were like, well, those teams aren't very good. Like, the Dolphins aren't amazing, but the Dolphins also aren't terrible. And the Bills bullied them twice this year. Like, the Steelers lost. The Bills did everything they could to lose that game. And now the Steelers are a playoff team. They beat Kansas City. You know They barely lose to Tennessee. This team can compete with the best teams in the NFL. And when they play, I don't even want to say they're best. When they play good football, they probably will beat the teams that are the best in the NFL. I think that's what it ultimately comes down to, even starting with the Patriots game. If the Bills play well, they probably are going to win. Now, it's by no means a guarantee that they're going to play well. But if we get a B-plus performance from Josh Allen and a decent day from the defense, they probably win this game. Yeah, probably. And you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's that crazy to ask for that. And he's the face of their franchise. He's their best player. It is not out of the question to think that. Mm -hmm. The last time they played, he had an A-plus performance. I don't think it's realistic to expect that again. But even if he's just really good... Even if he's just pretty good and it's a B plus, they're probably going to have a shot to win this game. And I think they're going to have a shot to win every game they play in, however many that is from here on out. Yeah, uh, that's that's a great way to sum it up. Um, They have every opportunity. And by the way, (laughs) you know, we haven't talked about this a bunch recently because the Bills have won four in a row. But... The Bills are still 0-5 in one-score games heading into the playoffs. And uh-huh. with that being as random as anything yeah. you'll find, you would have to think maybe there's some regression to the mean in a good way for, for the Bills coming up with these the way that these tight games might end up playing out. Did you I mean, see the chart this week? It doesn't have to happen, but I mean, it could. What, what chart? The chart where if you flipped the one-score games, what teams' records would be? Did you see that? that oh, absolutely. Was, they would be fifteen would, and one heading into this one, right? You're now sixteen and one, but yes. And the and the steel <laughs> and the Steelers who made the playoffs would have been three twelve and one, <laughs> something like that, exactly. Mm-hmm. But no, it is. It's a very relevant point because mm-hmm. they've lost close games. I, I think that's a little bit of bad luck. I think. 
they should have at times been able to find ways to win and they didn't. So I don't think they should be like completely given a pass on this, but I also think it is kind of luck. Last year they had the luck, this year they haven't had the luck. But eventually, you know, one of those weird things that didn't happen for them is going to go their favor. Like Josh Allen doesn't slip or Stefan Diggs is called, you know, the pass interference is called in the end zone or you know, whatever it is. Every team has these, but literally they have all gone against the Bills this year. I don't think that that's like blatant or some conspiracy. I think it's just kind of unlucky. And they were Eventually, also ridiculously lucky last year in the regular season. And, and that's true. I mean, look at the the Rams game where they get the, yep. what was it, illegal contact or pass interference or whatever it was, yep. and then they get the Tyler Croft touchdown. So they are, there was also the Hale Murray last year. <laughs> true. But, so, yeah, there but still, I do think. They were still, that, what, five and two in the, in the regular season in close games, if I'm not mistaken? Might have been five and one. Yeah, I can't remember. I'll yeah, look. But, re- but regardless, it, it, I do think that there is probably a little bit of, uh, just I, I just think they're they've been a little bit unlucky. It's just random. It, that's all it is. Yeah. It's random. Nope. No better time to get lucky. No better time for that to change. Yeah. I'm I'm looking at it right now. Five and one. They were five and one heading into the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, in one score games. And then This year they're 0 six and, five. and one six and one after the wild card game. And then Because of the Colts, yep. Yeah, they were six and one last year, and this year they're 0 and five. And, yeah, ain't that something? That's football is weird. It is. <laughs> it is a very weird and random sport. And we saw, and we saw that perfectly today with all of the ridiculousness that happened around the league. Hey, the Jags were hot. Uh, it's it's the Jags' home field advantage. To be honest, the Jags were hot. You know what I was thinking? Like, I have to go back and look. Did you see the stat about the Jags' record at home versus everyone else, and then? I think they're seven and zero since two thousand fifteen um, against the Colts at home. I didn't. I didn't see against everybody else. I did see though against the Colts. Yeah. So I think it was like fifteen and something stupid. So I'm. I'm just curious. From two thousand fifteen. Let's see. Where is it? Let me see if I can find it. I have another fun Jag stat. When you're done. Fun Jag stat. You, yeah, you, it's, you, it's, you say it because I, I have to. I have to look this thing up real quick. I saw something today. Now I have not independently confirmed this, but I saw a tweet today that said if you bet a hundred dollars on the Jags money line every single game this year, you would have actually won a hundred and thirty-four dollars, even though they lost so many wow. games because the odds were so nuts for them to ever win. If you bet a hundred dollars on them to win every single game, you would have actually won money, even though they finished with the record that they did. Oh, that's fun. Um, I, that that's really fun. I found what I was looking for. Uh, what is it? The so the the Jags since 2015 are seven and zero against the Colts at home. Okay. The Jags against the Bills since 2015 are three and zero against the Bills Ugh. at home. Yeah. Which was a 2015 uh, win for the Jags, 34-31. Then the playoff game, um, they were they won ten to three, and then of course this last one nine to six. So I feel like there's that. I feel like I can remember almost every game for the last like decade, and I don't remember anything about the thirty-four to thirty-one game in twenty fifteen. Yeah, not a clue. Me neither. Um, you would have, and you would have been there. You oh, covered. I was definitely there. Um, I 
can't really. Let me let me see if I can get the box score real quick. Cool. I'll look it up. Little Bills, Jags, stroll down 20, memory lane. Uh, it was an we EJ game. It was an EJ game. Oh, is it? No, that's London. It was. It was. So it wasn't actually at Jacksonville. The, uh, now, uh, now, okay. Now I remember everything wow. about that game. Wow, it is <laughs> okay. It, you that can turns definitely quick. Two o two in the morning. We were both at that game. Oh yeah, yes we were. Was yes, a, okay. I, that yeah, was one of our first everything. few months working together, Mister Bovin. Yeah, yeah. Now I remember everything. I just oh, yeah. said, "Wow, wow, what a this is." Oh yeah. What a revelation here oh, yeah. at two a.m. Telvin Smith. Do you remember who caught the go-ahead touchdown for the Bills to put them up briefly with like two minutes left? I I only do because I'm looking at it, but I don't want to spo- I don't want to steal your thunder. It's Mar- it's Marcus Easley, right? <laughs> yes, it is Marcus Easley. And there was the and there was the phantom pass interference call on Nikel Roby. That was before it was Roby Coleman, I believe, mm-hmm. and that extended the Jags' drive, and then they scored the touchdown. Do you one. do you remember who scored the touchdown for the Bills to go up on the Jags? Um. Oh crap! Was it? Was it Charles Clay? No, it was Corey Graham. Oh, did he get a pick six? Interception return for a touchdown. That game was stupid. <laughs> was was, was so stupid. Who was the quarterback for them that game? Was it Bortles? Oh yeah, Blake Bortles. Okay, straight Blake and Bortles. Uh, TJ Yeldon was their running back. Yeah, that sounds right. As was, ready, Toby Gearhart. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And the Bills' backup running back that day, Dan Boom Heron. (laughs) That that bit lived on forever. It still does. Um, Yeah, what what a day that was. But yes, the, the, I guess... So it, that one technically doesn't count. But of the 15 other home wins that the Jags have had since 2015, the Bills account for two of them. That's crazy. Yep. All right, let's get to some awards from, uh, from this game because it's 2.04 a.m. and I would like to go to sleep this evening um, <laughs> yeah. or this morning. So, Matt Beauvais, we're going to start off in the land of the negative and go with the yeah. Dree Archer Award for the player that did not show up at all today. Who do you have? Well, they did show up, but I'm going with Matt Hawk. And I will say, not giving him a pass by any stretch, but I was talking to a couple people who were down on the field during the game, and they were saying, like, yeah, it was actually really, really windy, kind of like the Patriots game, but there weren't just as crazy of gusts, but there was more wind consistently. Mm-hmm. That is not a pass, but it did seem like he was kicking all of those punts into the same direction, and that's where the wind was coming right back into his face. But he gets the he gets the award even though this is negative because they definitely need a better performance from him in the playoffs uh but i also think that the weather did play a factor there yeah i think it did um i mean he it seemed like he approached it the right way too like he wasn't uh kicking it into the one corner of of that side of the field of the end zone that um just completely screws with with a punt um so he was kicking it to the correct side he, I, I think he just he just whiffed a few times if if we're honest and that's that's on him and 
Sean McDermott also had every um, he had every opportunity to say, hey, you know what? The wind was a significant factor, but he didn't. He did. and he didn't. <laughs> He's like, yeah. yeah, it was a bad night. But I did like how he battled back. That's what McDermott said. Yeah. Um, I don't think that the Bills are going to have Matt Hawk um, be sitting in the playoff game. And I think they still like him and, and what he's been able to do for the most part. Uh, and I know this is kind of a joke on Twitter now, but they really like him as a field goal holder for Tyler Bass. Um, that's a, that's a real thing. Uh, but yeah, he's got, he's, he's got to be better. Uh, I would probably end up going, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go fun here. I like fun. I will say the Dre Archer award for the player that did not show up today is Shaq Lawson. And here's why. The Jets cut the Jets cut him on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I would not be surprised if Shaq Lawson is in Orchard Park sometime this week. I really wouldn't as a member of the of the Bills practice squad because you know, just backs him up with some good depth. You know, they've got some players on the back end of their practice squad that that they could cut. It would give them just another option. Um, especially one that they know, that they trust, that can come in and give them reps if they need it. And he loved it here, and the team loves him. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Shaq Lawson for the Dre Archer Award because you know he could, he could be here. Never know. Do you think that? Do you think there's a chance? Because I saw a lot of people mentioning the same thing. Do you think there's any chance he would be elevated to play by Saturday? Well, sure. Why not? I mean, I mean, they I would... mean, it's not like, yeah, it's not like he needs to really, no. you know, get too immersed in the playbook. I mean, you're telling me AJ Epinesa is better than Shaq Lawson right now? No, no, Epinesa is just like he he barely got to ten snaps before it became garbage time in this uh, game. AJ Epinesa had a sack today, Joe. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure, he did. It's great. Well, it's great. Yeah. It, you know what? Actions of the team speak louder than anything that they'll ever say. And Epinesa had let me let me see. I want to get this right. He had ten snaps before Oof. before it got to garbage time. Oof, that's not good. Mm-hmm. So that's that's just by my count. I had him at sixteen total, um, out of forty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> God. <laughs> the Jets were so bad. I have a, I have a really I have my favorite stat that that we'll get into in a bit. All right, next up is the Vontae Davis Award for the player uh, that did not show up in the second half. Ooh, uh, that was a weird. I was like, ooh, uh, I'm gonna say Zach Moss. Zach Moss didn't really <laughs> get a ton of Zach Moss. Work. Zach Moss is just take taking the Vontae Davis Award from Matt Bovey this year. <laughs> And just <laughs> running with it. Well, I guess he probably, if he did things, that he wouldn't get the award, but he doesn't. He had he I only mean, played on one drive um, for the Bills in the in the second half. Uh, that does not include kneel downs at the end of the game. Yeah, so it's Zach Moss. I mean, like it's low hanging fruit, but this team's number one running back, and I say number one with air quotes because you know it's whatever, but it's Devin Singletary. No, it's That's, it's not it's not it's not air quotes anymore. He is their number one. No, but I say number like when you say number one running back, I feel like there's like it mean I it almost like 
puts the player to like a different tier than like I think Devin Singletary is their best running back, but mm-hmm. I I don't know if I'd call him like a number one running back, even though he actually is. I, you know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe I'm just nuts. Sorry. No, you're not nuts. How? Who do you think had more snaps, Zach Moss or Tommy Doyle? Tommy Doyle. Barely by three. I saw I saw a lot of seventy two on the field today. Lots Joe. of seventy two. Yeah. Lots of seventy two. But that got inflated a bit because he was at, he was out there basically the entire end of the game. Um, Tommy Doyle is also low key every time he's on the field, um, like checks is in checks in as an eligible receiver. Yes. Yes, he does. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's their sixth offensive lineman now. That used to be Ryan Bates' job. Uh, my Vontae Davis award will go to the entire Jets offense um, because <laughs> they spit out my drink. <laughs> they Map Ovey gained negative sixteen <laughs> yards in the second half. That's amazing. Negative sixteen, and here is my favorite stat of the game. The Bills ran more offensive plays than the Jets had yards today. (laughs) And it was a blowout. The Bills ran 76. The Jets had 53 yards. You know, at at one point in the fourth quarter, I thought... I thought it it would get to as close... Because I was keeping track of it all game because I thought it was hilarious. I was keeping track of it all game and... When the Bills scored their touchdown to go up um, 20 to 10, they were at 67 offensive plays, and the Jets at that point were at 68 offensive yards. And I'm like, well, this is, we almost got there. We almost got there, but it, you know, you would think garbage time, the Jets are going to get some easy yards, things like that, and, you know, this will go out the window. But not only did it not, happen the bills padded their lead once they got it (laughs) that's amazing 76 to 53 just unreal stuff so yeah the the jets the jets offense gets the award all right for that let's um let's go to the matt barkley award for the player that caught you by surprise for good reasons Ooh. huh (laughs) some big reactions from matt bovey to each each award today Let me. Can you go first? I want to think on this. Sure. Um, I don't really know who who, who the heck to say. Um, I will go with. I don't know. Maybe Reggie Gilliam. He had 18 snaps today. Got targeted once, where Josh completely overthrew him. I don't really have a good answer for this. If I'm I like, don't either. There they, wasn't really anybody. They just. They just kind of. Did it standard? Oh, I, okay. I, I was gonna. I have one too. I'm gonna take uh, Zach Wilson for this. <laughs> this is this is completely, completely, completely absurd. Explain. Right. So, this is another thing that I discovered throughout the game. For every single offensive play that went for, oh, I'm sorry. Every single offensive play, except for one, that went for zero or one or more yards for the Jets in this game, mm-hmm. all started with 
all had the the skill player starting with the letter C or a K name. So it's Michael Carter, Jamison Crowder, uh, Keelan Cole, um, Tyler Croft, Tevin Coleman. Like, it was a run. And it was a run all the way until the third quarter until uh, Vincent Smith caught a pass. Oh, Vince. No, there was two. There were, there were two plays. I'm sorry. They had a practice squad guy um, catch one as well. But the majority of their plays, I don't know. That I, that I'm really just making things up because I didn't use that little thing anywhere, and I just really wanted to use it. I don't know where you would have used it. Um, that is far more innovative than what I was going <laughs> to say. I was just going to say, like, hey, Greg Russo was okay today. Like, <laughs> didn't get after the quarterback a ton, but I noticed him make a couple stops. I know once again. He, Boogie Basham well, had a sack. Boogie Basham had a sack, but how many snaps did Boogie Basham have? More than A.J. Epinesa. Did he? Yep. Wow. Yeah, that is pretty. Oh, my God. Shaq Lawson is absolutely going to be on this team. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like a kind of a no-brainer. I'm looking here because, like, every person on the Bills had a sack, basically, this mm-hmm. week. And it's like Mario Addison, Jerry Hughes, Greg Rousseau, AJ Epinesa. It's all the people you would normally, you know, expect to be there. But I'm sitting there looking at this, and I go, who is better than Shaq Lawson mm-hmm. on this list? Mm-hmm. And I have to think about it. And that's concerning. Well, to me. Hughes, Hughes, and Addison are, in terms of pass rushing, Lawson's a really good run defender. But I mean, Lawson is an upgrade over Epinesa and Basham right now. Yeah, I he is. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I, it's weird. They, Not really they a, had... a great sign of things to come for the Bills' defensive end room. Well, no, they had nine sacks today. Eight of those were on Zach Wilson. One of them was on, who was it, Crowder? Uh, was he? Was that a sack? I think he got I a think... run. He got a run on that one. He gave okay. Those. Okay. So, well, they had, I'm pretty sure they had eight sacks on Zach Wilson and then one sack on somebody else who wasn't Zach Wilson. But regardless, it's the most sacks they've had since a game in 2011 against Washington. So, yeah, like, they did a very, very, very good job today. I don't want to take anything away from them, but as you joked at the beginning of the podcast, Zach Wilson holds on to the ball forever, and it's not like he's getting a ton of help from his offensive line. And he's he he, he goes backwards, too, which... Oh, my God. Like, comically. Like, he's playing Madden or something. But Josh Allen used to do that a bit, too. So, yeah, um, it, you're, you're able to... Uh... To get that out of the system it's just yeah that's that that's that's a tough one and the season on for zach wilson all right yeah. uh let's see how about the gotta watch the tape award matt buffet what do you have well i snapped my streak of offensive linemen there you go so back. i don't necessarily think i have to go back i'm gonna actually say josh allen on this one and okay. the reason i'm gonna say josh allen was because it felt like in the third quarter he was just very out of sync with all of his receivers. And I don't know what exactly was going on. Because it didn't look like they were bad throws. It looked like they were throws to places where he thought someone would be and they weren't. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't look like he just like, oh, this one was a little low. Or, oh, that one was a little bit too out for, too out in front of the receiver. It was like, Dawson Knox is, you know, running a fade and he's throwing a post. Like, it was mm-hmm. weird. So that that's my answer, just because it was really strange. And it was like on like four or five throws in a row. Yeah, I'm with you on I'm with you on that one. It 
It looked like on one of them, like uh, Dawson Knox, he broke to the outside and Allen threw it to the inside. I think Knox Knox had the uh, the right read because the safety was kind of um, um, pinching in, and it, it looked like there was a lot of open terrain on the outside. Uh, there was another one where Gabriel Davis just kind of stopped running the slant and sat, um, and Allen wanted the slant, and it would have been a, a good gain. So, yeah, I, I think I think that's a a good serious answer. Um, my gotta watch the tape award is going to Reed Ferguson. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> this is so good. Uh, upon first viewing. Didn't really go so well for Reed. Uh, he got kind of put on his butt a couple of times. Twice. Twice. And then got pretty mad about it and suplexed <laughs> the guy. <laughs> and awesome. and here's the best part. Who And the, I can't take credit for this because um, this is a great realization. Uh, so Catherine Fitzgerald of the Buffalo News, she's like, the best part about that whole thing is that it was – a long snapper versus a fullback, <laughs> which is just so incredibly silly football. Um, so, so yeah, that uh, that that was a thing that happened. I, you know, that was great. That might be worth like an oral history one of these years. <laughs> if they win the Super Bowl, we could go back to that time that Reed Ferguson suplexed a dude from the Jets in the regular season finale. About I might how do it anyway. Fire- about how it fired up the team for the final stretch. Yeah, I might do it anyway. All right, and last but not least is the Blaine Gabbert Matthew Fairburn Award for Perseverance. Bobe? Uh, I am going to go with Devin Singletary. Mm. Devin Singletary had the big run at the beginning of the game, then kind of hit a lull, a lot of like one-yard gain, two-yard gains, didn't do too much of anything. But then down the stretch, made a couple nice plays, had a couple nice runs, had the, the catch that was ultimately the touchdown. So I'm going to give it to him because it once again was another strong game for him. It wasn't like an exceptional game, but it was a strong game. And that's better than they've been getting Really for, you know, the last, it's about what they've been getting for the last month or so. But, you know, for the whole middle part of the season, they were having almost no contributions from their running back. So, good sign. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it to, eh, screw it, Stefan Diggs. He he uh, made himself a lot of money tonight. He <laughs> so, did. So, he, he persevered and caught a lot of passes. And, yes, is probably having a very merry evening because of the uh, secured funds that he, that he just uh, he just got. What is $750,000 to Stefan Diggs equate to like us? To like a normal human? Five grand. Oh, I was going to say less. Really? Yeah, I would be like... I, I mean, I, I don't know. You, you, you literally could do the math. But yeah, yeah, it's probably right. I really don't want to do the math. It's 221 <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to do the math either. But like, it's crazy that yeah. he just needed six catches to get seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That is so much money. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh huh. Uh huh. And and shout out to our listeners who tweeted at us and were like, "Hey, four o'clock game. I know what that means. Beauvais and Joe are going to be recording until early hours in the morning. Good luck, boys." 
one of the first things I thought of when I heard that the game was at 8.15 on Saturday of next week was, oh no, that's a 4 a.m. podcast. Oh yeah. yeah. But, thank goodness it's in Buffalo. And the only the only thing is, if they lose that game, then we're going to have early morning locker cleanup. On Sunday, you think? On, on Sunday, probably. Yeah, hey, I thought about that too. I had to, I had to make the schedule. But everything's been week. on Zoom, so I guess it really doesn't matter one way or the other. Yeah, I don't know. We'll find out. Yep. Hopefully, we don't have to figure that. Well, hopefully, we don't even know. We won't have to worry about it. Well, I'm just I'm just looking forward to see what unfolds in this game. Yes. One, one step at a time. And that, I think, is where we will leave you all. Um, because the Bills are up against the Patriots coming up. And that means our good friend Matthew Fairburn's coming back to town this weekend. Um, which will be fun. All right, Matt Bovey, any uh, fond words of farewell this evening or this morning? Do I keep the bit going and say no and then just say yes? But no, I mean, it's going to be a humdinger. It's going to be an absolute humdinger. <laughs> all right. But I have nothing to say. There you have it. Uh, I also have nothing to say. So I'm just going to I'm just gonna close this out. Matt Bovey, how do you feel about that? Who won the NFC West? <laughs> the Rams did. The Rams did. So that means the Bills are playing the Rams next year. Yeah. In Los Angeles. Yeah. And, okay. Mm-hmm. Just a quick, just I'm looking at a tweet that says, final regular season opponents finalized. So... Mm-hmm. There you go. Additional observations from one map of. All right, <laughs> we 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 need to go to sleep. All right, that's All right, gonna that, <laughs> that's gonna do it for us. Uh, thanks everyone for listening to this extended post game uh, edition of the podcast. Uh, the next time you will hear from me will be in the middle of the week. I'll be with Matthew Fairburn as we uh, for the third time this year, where the Bills are getting ready to take on the Patriots. And by the way, if you haven't yet, head over to theathletic.com slash thebuffalobeat for a discount on your yearly subscription. And you can read all the things that we do over there, um, no matter what team, what city, anything you want to read about from a sports perspective. We got it. All right. So for Matt Bovey, my name is Joe Biscalia. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Buffalo Beat. We'll talk to you in the middle of the week. See you then.